Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show, WNBA hoodie edition. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Joining me, you know him, you love him. It's Samson Folk, finally on this pod this season. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm glad. I'm glad we could uh, sort it out. I know it was a, a point, a, a, you know, a point of tension between us, <laughs> a source of drama. Yeah, I did bring it up to you at the Christmas party <laughs> after a glass of wine that you hadn't been on my show yet. Well, we had to find the, you know, the underpinnings of misogyny that was driving my, you know, my life. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's my whole mission here at Raptors yeah. Republic is to do just that. Um, we did not plan wearing the same hoodie today, so we had a good laugh about that the second yeah. we came on the stream. Uh, you let us know who wore it best. Uh, <laughs> hashtag Samson, hashtag Catherine. Listen, this is Raptors Republic. Samson will win. I understand that. It's fine. <laughs> Basketball. Wow, that's it? That's all you have to say? Well, I'm excited to be on. I'm excited to talk about the various different things. I do not think I will win a Who Wore It Best, but I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to be wearing it with you. All right. That sounds great. That sounds great. Very diplomatic of you, Samson. Thank you. Um, all right. Let's. Okay. Here's the thing. Usually on this show, we do NBA first and then Raptors. But the thing is, is that the Raptors kind of have been the biggest story in the league this week with the big trade and then our success since that trade. So let's jump into it. We are officially in what people are calling the, the, the barbecue, the BBQ era. <laughs> yeah. And then you had fans on Twitter last night being like, it's the spicy barbecue era. And so my question for you is which era are we in? Are we in the barbecue era? Are we in the spicy barbecue era? So I'm not sure how long something has to go on to be considered an era, but because it's been two games, <laughs> it's been two games. Yakov has been good, so it could be spicy Austrian barbecue for like just as an an added thing. Do they have spicy food in Austria? I mean, I know it would be around, mm. but I don't know if it's part of their thing. Yeah, that's probably no. They probably don't, to be quite honest with you. But I mean, we can push that to the side. I I love that nickname for what it's worth. I thought BBQ was like I was like, oh, that's funny, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, there was the uh, Messi Suarez Neymar MSN that was like the greatest attacking front three in soccer of all time. I was like, MSN is cool. I went on that as a kid, and like you tried <laughs> to like talk to girls and talk to your friends and be like i'm online so i was like that's cool 
I don't have as many connections with barbecue or anything like that. But and then the additional spicy barbecue thing, I was like, that's great. I love when people can name things funny, interesting names. Okay, well, I appreciate that. But uh, and I agree. I do think it's a great name. And you know what? Even though it is only two games, I do think it is a new era. Because we have new leading guys on the team. And I think, right? I mean, I do think we can call this a new era. Um, it, but the real question is, is is Pascal Siakam going to be a part of it? What are your thoughts and feelings on that? Because I heard, I, like, when the f- trade first happened, a lot of people were saying that, like, an extension feels imminent. That has yet to happen. Um, he is front and center of many, many trade talks. It's been that way for what feels like at least a year, if not even longer. Do you think that that's bound to happen? Or, I mean, Pascal's been playing great with this with this squad so far. Yeah, the easiest thing I can say is that the Raptors have been, have shown a willingness to at least engage in trade talks about Pascal Siakam for like four years continuously. Mm-hmm. Like they just have had those conversations. Maybe the least amount of conversations they had was after his All-NBA selection. And, you know, the 48-win season, that wasn't discussed a ton. But basically every other summer, early into every other season, there's been stuff. Some of it not reported. A lot of it did get reported eventually. And so the Raptors are not completely sold on Siakam. They're not obviously like the conversation I had with Masai on Media Day. Not completely sold on the extension idea. You know, I don't Mm. think they're particularly close currently. I don't think... They're coming together for that currently. And this kind of stuff is, uh, it's always nebulous. Like, I thought that they preferred keeping OG over Pascal. But Mm -hmm. they obviously had conversations with OG where the outcome was OG probably being more honest and upfront about, like, his intentions in free agency. So OG is the one who gets traded. There is a an opportunity for the team to look good here for that to change. Maybe not just the minds of some fans, but perhaps to change the minds of the front office. That's something this front office has been honest about as well over a decade. Is that like, if you guys win, you know, you can have it. You can try. They do. They do let them do that at least to some degree. So it's very nebulous. This stuff is very hard to call, but there's been motivation to trade him in the past. I still think there's motivation to trade him now. But also that has to intersect with other teams wanting to trade for him really badly to the point that they give the Raptors the package that they so crave. And that mm-hmm. doesn't always happen. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, like Pascal has said that he wants to stay in Toronto, right? Um, And we appreciate that for sure. But also it's like, if things aren't going well and the fan base is being toxic and stuff, it's kind of like, sometimes I look at Pascal and I'm like, I don't know why he wants to stay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think Pascal is a guy who probably does a fairly strong job of not letting the fan base get to him. He he yeah. had like a really rough go of it. What? Three years ago now. Yeah. Um, like, you know, really, vitriolic racism and stuff like that so he i think he's kind of disconnected from that you know like when 
Young Thug said James Harden didn't have the internet. It's not like that extreme, but Pascal <laughs> definitely unplugs. Yeah. And I'd imagine his motivation for staying in Toronto is like a couple of very easy things. This is home. This is the most money he can get. And those two things are super important. The The basketball has been worse than expected for him. He's had friends traded. He's had friends leave. It's a changing landscape where, you know, different players come in and want to assert themselves and all that kind of stuff. But home is a... I mean, home is a really interesting thing. It's great when home is good. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. big motivators. That makes sense. Um, In your personal opinion, would you like to see Pascal stay? Yeah, probably. That's like maybe a little less of like the analyst cap on. Mm -hmm. But Pascal is someone who I've really enjoyed covering. Pascal is someone who I've really enjoyed watching for like ever and he also is maybe like the last vestige of a championship team and you know who knows what happens with the next few years of his career but i still think he's like a fantastic player and the raptors haven't historically been able to get those guys in-house on a whim i know like emmanuel quickly just had a really good game and the expectation is that hopefully he is like an all-star someday. I don't know if people expect an all-NBA selection for a guard. That's really tough. But um, guys like Pascal do not wear Raptors jerseys very often. And so right. there's some there's some value to that, obviously. But uh, you could put on like your CBA cap and you can put on your this guy aging at this. You know, you could do the economics of basketball thing and you could probably talk yourself out of it pretty quickly. I know a lot of fans do. but uh, I can talk myself into it maybe 56% of the time. So I'll lean stay. Okay. I like it. I mean, I feel like there's this part of me that just like loves Pascal and I just He's want great. him to be on a winning team. Mm-hmm. And so there was this part of me, you know, earlier in the year when like things are so frustrating that I was like, I just want him to be somewhere good. But if we are that place that is good, then I do want him to stay. Sure. So we'll see. Let's see how, you know, we're two games in and I'm getting ahead of myself here. But there's a there's a really good saying. I can't remember. I think it's like Buddhist. It's There's a book got written about it. So now if you type it in or anything like that, it comes up. But it's wherever you go, there you are, you mm. know. And uh, so Pascal... If good is where he is, then like, sure, great. Wow, deep. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about um, RJ Barrett being called a toxic asset. Uh, I believe that was on the low post. Uh, it's a quote that I'm seeing going around more and more. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about it in your in your trade reactions and stuff. But is that how you see RJ Barrett at all? No, I tweeted about this too. I said I thought that R.J. Barrett probably more tangibly earns his money than the executives who called him a toxic asset. (laughs) I know, I know, and like I'm in a position where I don't have to really, as an analyst, engage that much with like the economics of basketball and the commodification of the players. I mostly just get to talk about basketball, which I appreciate. But I hope that people who are in those positions don't use such like dehumanizing language. That's that is my 
that's my honest hope. Of course, you can talk about like, hey, so a guy who makes this much money is expected to provide around like this level of impact and do these kinds of things. And, you know, RJ Barrett has struggled to be consistent in some of these aspects and we're looking for more. And when, you know, the Knicks signed him, they were looking for him to fulfill some of these other things that hasn't really come to fruition. I know the short version of all of that is to call him like a toxic asset, but I still don't think that's responsible. And I still think that's like disrespectful to a player and it's, it's anonymous too. And I think it's just, um harmful language that Mm. people use so i i think it's worth the extra 30 seconds to explain the nuance behind the economics rather than just immediately commodify someone then devalue them and then use derogatory language would be my answer for that right i mean i completely agree because it's not like rj has like a reputation for having like a bad personality or a bad attitude in the locker room or something like that you know what i mean like to me that's what would make someone a toxic asset if they were like poisoning your locker room um i think people get really hung up on the fact that he was drafted third Sure. you know and that happens to so many like high draft picks and it's like at what point is this just like a player and this is what he averages and this is what he gets paid and blah 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 and like how do we work with this you know what i mean like it's like at some point you got to let it go and i feel yep. like people don't do that enough it's all the players are the players you know that's um there's like a coaching heuristic right it's not what does somebody what is somebody not capable of but what is somebody capable of and how do we work within those parameters and you can hope for someone to add skills and improve at things but you also have to you know operate within the confines of the known and rj barrett through the first two games you know i've talked a lot about it so far because it's been really interesting to talk about his skill set was it was maybe a little bit more duplicative on the knicks but on the Raptors, especially the way he's toggled down in the rotation, it's he's kind of like giving you extra creation chops that you didn't necessarily have. The the basket he had last night where he gets like a, a an empty side pick and roll, keeps a guy on his back and keeps him in jail as he kind of like crab walks down to the side and hits like a banked floater. You're like, that's just like a great little play. And that's something that a lot of Raptors would struggle to do now, of course. Pascal can do that. Scotty can do that. IQ can do that. RJ can do that. But, and like Dennis can do that too. Now they seem like they have a little bit extra creation and RJ can overwhelm teams instead of being one of the first two guys with like a 27 usage rate to try and do it, you know, against engaged defenses. Um, Context matters for these, you know, these young men. Context matters for their success. And in a league that has seen the talent rise considerably, has gotten bigger and bigger over time and they look for every inch they scan the court for every possible win they can context is more important to player success than ever before so my hope is that rj has more success than ever yes there's i think he makes mistakes on the court more than a lot of other players do and i hope that you know he sorts some of that stuff out obviously in a raptors jersey but I also think that there's a possibility that the context can be quite rewarding for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. He's also super young. Yeah, right? 23. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got time. He's got a lot of time to sort that out. Um, have you had any interactions with the new players yet? 
no i i got in from saskatoon on like 11 a.m and they were doing the introductory press conference at i think 10 30 at OVO, oh so. shoot yeah and they're on a and then lewis was at the game that night and then because i got back i like i went to the airport at like 4 a.m so i was sleeping until game time and then they're on a like like a six or seven game road trip right now so i'll talk to them on like the 15th okay well thanks so much for joining us samson um no um that's cool i mean i know you have so much like analysis on your pods and stuff so i'm trying not to overlap too much here because you know we're on the same platform and stuff um i don't do you want these are my raptors questions for you yeah whatever you're, you're the host this is your show whatever you want it to be that's what it is gosh i hate that i have a cold right now um <laughs> okay <laughs> oh god um, are there any, okay, before we move on to NBA stuff, are there any like Raptors trades that you would like to see? I think that a guy who has low key had teams asking around about him for some time is Chris Boucher. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'd like to see that necessarily, but there's, there's a possibility there. Otto Porter Jr. just sprained his knee again, like he's injured again. So I think that makes it a lot less likely unless a team wants to take like a flyer on him. Uh, There's been rumors about like Dennis returning to the Lakers. There's been a lot of rumors. I like that the Raptors will have a little window here to kind of like try things out, play as best as they can to help everyone kind of reevaluate. Not that you know, 12 or 14 games is going to be the be-all end-all. Typically, people want big, meaty sample sizes to make decisions with. But there's a possibility for maybe like four players on this roster to get traded. And I guess, yeah, maybe Chris Boucher is the the one that would be the most surprising to the listener. So that's the one I'll say. <laughs> that's fair. Who's been um, Who's been rumored to be interested in him? Well... Phoenix is one, but it's been like a handful of teams over the past couple of years. Um, that was something that, because he, he is a really interesting big in that he can win minutes in a pinch and he can score and he can provide like significant defensive pop depending on what type of defense you play. And he's able to, you know, it's tough to get bigs who can like play in the playoffs in a pinch. And Chris Boucher is on the precipice of being that type of big. Like, he won't be your main rotational big in the playoffs, but he might be able to give you, like, I don't know, 30 minutes across a series, and you might win those 30 minutes. And so that makes him an interesting piece to go after. And it's a little bit different now because some of the teams are changing, and teams don't really figure out exactly who they want to pursue at the deadline sometimes until the deadline. And mm. so I think more people will emerge, but it's been a trend in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. But you're right too, like with the with the auto porter injury, and also Precious not being here anymore. I feel like yeah. there would be more incentive to keep him, but you never know. Um, all right, let's move on to NBA stuff, and don't worry, we will still have a Raptors hottie highlight of the <laughs> week at the end. 
Um, so my question for you first and foremost is what non Raptors trade do you want to see? Like, are you looking at like where Zach Levine's going to go or like any of these other players? I am wondering if Cleveland like pulls the trigger super early on Donovan Mitchell. Mm -hmm. I think they probably don't. That one interests me a lot because I think Donovan Mitchell rocks. And Zach Levine, of course, interests me. I do find it very interesting uh, that the team has been like considerably better without him. Yeah, like that's I always find that very interesting. And I do wonder, you know, how much front offices weigh that in the trade or if like in the repartee or the banter of the trade talks like that gets brought up. It's like you guys are better without him. Why should we give top dollar for a guy who couldn't mm -hmm. even improve a team that was like winning 30 percent of their games? And I, I would love to sit in on a trade talk one day just as like you know a, a journalist just to sit there and be like so this is how it happens wow that's interesting because i have no concept of what it actually is and the external stuff is always so interesting i like the zach levine stuff i don't really know that's i don't even really know what constitutes because you hear stuff from like scouts pro scouts people lower on the rung i don't have masai or bobby's ear i won't pretend that i'm like texting i'm like hey what's going on <laughs> fellas you know what's the motivation you're not michael grange I, that's correct uh, i'm not michael grange um not nearly handsome enough for that that's right mikey um but i do wonder like is the, is there a correlation between past performance against a certain team you know like if mm -hmm. this guy plays really well against this team is that team more likely to value him more in a trade how many games do the front office people who make the decisions actually watch? Like Masai Ujiri, how many Raptors games does he watch this year? More than 15? No way in hell. Not you don't think? No. And like, and then so you know other front office members across the league, how many Zach Levine games have they watched? Did they happen to see him score eight points on two of 11 shooting? Or did they see him score 47? It's like, it can on a whim and these guys are constantly like texting around the league like asking as we know Woj and Shams have like a tangible impact on relations between other front offices and players and reportedly have been able to like with a good relationship with the front office help undercut a player's salary right like so much information is being traded it is so nebulous I don't know I didn't say a trade really besides like Zach Levine yeah I'm interested but the, the politics of trading, I find to be super interesting and like messy. Um, I, I agree. That would be fascinating. You should, you should work on getting yourself in there. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like the whole Donovan Mitchell thing is kind of weird because he's only been there for like a season and a little bit. Like he just hasn't been there for that long, but I guess if he's made it known that he's not going to resign there then then that changes things but it's also like I, I don't know like to me that team is like they're decent they're yep. they're not they're young they have some injuries right now like i i don't understand why you wouldn't give that a chance to me i'm i'm not trading donovan mitchell the same right. way like i couldn't believe when the okc stuff they're like well 
you know, we're not sure about Shay how he lines up with the timeline. I was like, you fools, that guy is the timeline. What do you mean? Yeah, like, this yeah. back in like 2020 or 2021. Like you're you're just being so finicky about is my team gonna win the championship this year? It's like, no, they aren't. But like try. You gotta mm-hmm. try. I know mm-hmm. people don't want to be in the middle. I get it. But also like the Knicks, if they add a fourth guy. They will be at like the cream of the crop. They will have a shot at a title, and it's because they worked from the middle and like gave a shit about winning and trying. Yeah. And this—that's how the Raptors won as well. The Raptors made positive trades on the margins to improve their middle team to try and get it to the top. Even though everyone said there's no way this team is winning a championship, they made positive trades along the way, not to break it down, but to get better. And with their draft capital and stuff like that, they had huge wins and developmental wins and stuff like that. So I think it's a little bit too polarized now. They're like, don't be in the middle. Don't be treadmill or whatever. Um, And I think people look at Cleveland as underperforming given all the talent on their roster, but they've been injured. And I don't know. I I hope that Donovan Mitchell stays there longer. But if he is going somewhere, I am locked in. (laughs) that's fair and i think you know like the bulls seem like a team that's gonna blow it up uh and if they do the thing i'm kind of confused about is that why aren't more teams after demar Derozan? like if they are gonna blow it up wouldn't that be the guy that you want unless like the bulls have said like they're not trading him although i haven't heard that in any way i just like like if you're the lakers like all these like zach levine to the lakers rumors why wouldn't you have DeMar DeRozan to the Lakers instead? Wouldn't that be a better fit? I'm not the idealized. You're trading for your idealized version of a player. And the idealized version of Zach Levine is like, oh, this guy will play off of our best stars. He's a microwave scorer who does it from three. If we have a player anywhere from like Nikola Jokic to Shea to LeBron, who collapses the defense and kicks out and the ball ends up in Zach Levine's hands working off of that guy. He can hit that three and he's a shooter and he can pop off and all that kind of stuff. And like, that's the idealized version. And they probably envisioned that that shooting aspect of his game fits in better than like the huge surplus amount of creation, scoring and playmaking that DeMar DeRozan can provide because DeMar and Zach are both quite poor on defense. It's just that, they probably look at it like, well, DeMar is like plugging offense into your team, like an insane amount of offense into your team, but it's his offense and guys right. have to, and he's the guy who will dictate the terms and the pace a lot of the time when he's on the floor. So we're asking all of our incumbent members of the team to kind of adjust to that. Whereas they, people probably think like we could ask Zach Levine more so because of his skill set to accommodate the team he's coming on to whereas like the team demar is coming on to has to because of his unique skill set maybe accommodate him i suspect that's the reasoning um but i think demar is a better player so right i'm just like no i mean that's a very sound explanation i'm just surprised that he isn't in more trade rumors right like maybe like a team like the hawks could use him like i don't know i mean they look like they're on the verge of some sort of crisis if not already you know um and i don't think they're gonna trade trey young despite those crazy rumors yeah i don't 
if Trey Young goes somewhere, I'd be pretty shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, All right. Well, you're you, you've been in a very diplomatic mood today, Samson. You want you want spice? <laughs> I I haven't gotten you to say any really hot spicy takes yet, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> we can move on. Uh, I am I wanna... ever the diplomat, for what it's worth. That's fine. That's fine. That's why you're you. Uh, I also, okay, I really want to talk about OKC. Because uh, after their big win against the Celtics, and people have been saying it for a while, that they're a championship contender. I I have a few thoughts on it. I mean, one, like, I'm a big, like, I'm big on having playoff experience. I And they don't have that yet. And I do think they're very good. And you know, they could be an anomaly like the OKC team of 2012 that like went straight to the finals. You know, like they they do have that potential. Um, but I do think playoff experience is really big. The other crazy thing is like everybody's like, man, like OKC should make they should do all these trades. They should trade for Lowry Markinen and stuff like that. And I'm kind of like, this team is already good. Like, why would you mess with this team? Like, if I were them, I wouldn't be trading anybody right now. I mean, they could trade just their picks alone. But it's like, why would you mess with the chemistry and everything that's going good for this team at this point? I think I would make a trade. Because while they are really good, it's always important to try and get better. And additionally, I think they have three first-round picks this year. Mm-hmm. This is a roster that's already pretty deep. If you bring on three first-round picks in the summer, you're already just by proxy of how many players you have on that roster because you haven't consolidated, because you haven't, like... Other teams have, like, three really good players and and lack depth. Like, the Raptors have lacked depth for a long time, right? And they didn't have that much draft capital. So they didn't necessarily need a consolidation trade but they needed to get better throughout the back end of the rotation. They had quite a bit of top end talent, not necessarily like MVP talent, but top end, you know, Pascal has been really good. Scotty is going to be an all-star. I'm sure of it, this kind of stuff. The thunder have the top end talent. They have the depth and they have all of the draft capital coming in. That is going to mean that like somebody who gets, who is a first round pick either like this year, the last year or the year before is going to be cut. And like, that's pretty crazy. Malachi Flynn is in year four, right? Like Malachi Flynn for as much as he is underperformed expectations. And as much as his career hasn't panned out necessarily the way that he expected or that the Raptors expected, he still gets four years of trying it out and had three, like and a half years with the same team to do so. The Thunder won't be able to afford their prospects that ability because they'll have too many of them coming in. And like there's a, a roster crunch at the back end because they were like little, you know, freak weirdos fetishizing draft picks for so long <laughs> that when you look and you're like, you guys have 17 first round draft picks in six years. What the hell? It That's like too many players. So from that point of view, I'm like, they need to consolidate somewhere so that they're not, you know, disaffecting the players on the roster and that's not a bad thing either like players will go elsewhere and have opportunities presumably because a lot of teams aren't as deep as okc and a lot of teams don't have like as many draft picks as they do so there's that motivation and then additionally 
always try and get better if you can, maybe. Like Laurie Markinen, he kicks ass. He does. I think on the Thunder, he'd kick ass. And I think like quite a few players would kick ass on the Thunder. And no harm in just trying to be good. Because if you're good enough to win the title this year or try and make that run, like I, I'm in the same boat as you, like it's tough to imagine it without the pre-existing playoff experience. That seems like playoff experience leaves an indelible mark on everybody who ends up winning. You need it going before that. But it's a championship window, right? Like yeah. hammer that thing. I, I don't. Daryl Morey is like the the cap pervert, of course. I don't want to quote him too much, but like he's the guy who did the if you have five percent at winning a championship, you have to give it your all, like and try and make maximize that to like 15 percent because it's really hard to be like a five percent chance at winning a championship team. It's rare. So if you're there, go for it every year that you're there. And the Thunder, like, go for it, man. See what happens. That's yeah. my is that spicy? Have I that done is spicy? well? It's a little spicy. It's mildly spicy. Um, Austrian spice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, like, look, the way I see it is, like, I feel like I look at this team and I just want to be like, let's see what this team can do. Let's see who performs in the playoffs. Let's see who, you know, crumbles under pressure, blah, blah, blah. And then you can make that trade in the offseason. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you'd have to still draft someone and then trade them. That's the downside to that. Yeah. But well, additionally, too, is like this is this is why pro scouts get paid. And there's a pro scout somewhere, maybe even in Oklahoma City, who's saying, like, I know you want to see what Josh Giddy does in a playoff context, but I'm here to tell you that I believe that Laurie Markinen is going to be a killer in a playoff context, and we can get that this season we don't have to wait like we can make it happen now like we all of the best decisions are when people take a small sample and like extrapolate it in their own analysis and say it's gonna be more let's buy low and you know like that's that's what the raptors are trying to do with emmanuel quickly to some degree right is like beat it get there before other people get there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um there i there should be some of that wisdom flowing around the okc front office i expect but also it's motivation to trade is there for every single team all the time like conversations are always happening but actually connecting on a shared value between two teams that they both agree on something and then getting like the salaries and the paperwork and everything to match up is is a pretty big it's a big ask. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, you've convinced me. That's fine. Uh, well done. Uh, <laughs> there is something, too, about Josh Giddy on the jazz that just feels like it makes sense. <laughs> Those are my words. They're not yours. <laughs> Listen, he's he's on my fantasy team, regrettably. <laughs> and I'm the only girl in my whole fantasy league. I could throw shade at uh, him. That's really <laughs> funny. So unfair. So unfair. Um, okay, Samson, I don't know. Your, your allyship is coming to question. 
That is I mean, crazy. I didn't, I didn't draft him knowing that was going to happen. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, a lack of research on your part, I suppose. That's not a lack of research on my part. It's kind of crazy that I was like, in my head, I was like, it's the Rob Lowe thing. It's literally the Rob Lowe thing. Do you remember that? No. Rob Lowe, if I remember correctly, because I think I heard I was watching Ellen with my mom when I oh, was Oh, like, this is like a scandal from a long time ago. From a long time ago, from like yeah. the 80s or 90s. Yeah. And but the same thing happened with like Josh Giddy was at like an adults club, 21 and up. There's a woman in there he goes home with. I don't, I don't know about ID or whatever she had or whatever, but that's what happened. That is like the confirmed story. That's what happened. And that's the same thing that happened to Rob Lowe, except I think he had like a threesome. This is kind of <laughs> raunchy for <laughs> anyway, but like any anyway. Wow. You really went like zero to a hundred on the spice meter here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Look, shilling the spice for you. It's like yep. on hot ones, and you just went straight to the hottest wing. Yeah, you get the, the edit. The... Yeah, yeah. Zoom in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they really want to get the sweat on your brow. Yeah, I get I get uh, Sean Evans comps. So I, you know. Well, like, like look likes? Yeah, like a bald white guy with a, a beard sometimes. Yeah. That who interviews sense. people. Yeah, Of true. course, I'm being interviewed today, but. Yeah, but I understand. I think maybe he and I have a similar uh, way about us as well. A demeanor. Mm-hmm. Well, he's he he's really Sean Evans is really good at asking questions. Nice. He is. And didn't I, say the same about you, but no, no that's I'm working on it. You know, <laughs> trying. To I'm that. like, yeah, but the difference is Sean Evans is actually a good interviewer. Yeah, it's 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 a palpable <laughs> difference. Very noticeable. Oh, look, Samson, I don't know what to do. Usually this podcast is an hour long. I'm extremely out of it. I'm, <laughs> I'm paddling a cold, had very little sleep. And, you know, we're at the 37 minute mark and we've gone through all the topics. So it's my fault that I haven't elaborated on this more. I thank everyone for listening deeply. It means a lot to me. <laughs> You listen to this podcast. Let's just move on to our Raptors hottie highlight of the week. And that is going to go to OG Ananobi, who posted on Instagram for the first time in like literal years to thank us fans, to thank the organization, blah, blah, blah. So I thought I'd use the opportunity to ask you, what is your favorite OG Ananobi moment and why isn't it Scarves? He had multiple drafts of his instagram post i don't know if you saw that and no. some of it, and some of it well true to form some of it he would post then delete then post then delete and he was changing the pictures each time and in one of the posts the pictures were posted in like 360p quality so one of the things you know maybe it's not a moment but a collection of moments is that i always quite appreciated og's post ironic sardonic approach to social media he posts like the zodiac killer and he could have just been (laughs) he could have just been a normal athlete with a normal athlete social media but what he has done instead is post inscrutable memes and delete and you know follow unfollow because he knows people pay attention so and like 
he'll like he leaves the bread the trail of breadcrumbs like he'll post something take it away follow and unfollow and you'll see when somebody acknowledges that on twitter he'll like their tweet then unlike their tweet like he's just like playing around with all this kind of stuff i think it's very funny mm-hmm. he was of all the guys i talked to i thought he was the funniest guy on the team i really enjoyed his candor during conversations especially in like the press conference stuff because a lot of guys in the press conference what they do is they hear your question and then they kind of go off and they talk about it you're the person who asked the question but i'm talking about it here og is shorter yes and there's a lot of comedy about him being like yeah i like that it was cool but he's not gonna like (laughs) he's not gonna look off elsewhere and start talking like he's going to look at you and he's going to talk to you in his way but it also means you can ask follow-up questions like really easily and you kind of just engage in a conversation that is that is the format in which og engages in that kind of stuff and it's one that i find to be like more human than Mm. like i and i understand why other players do it because they are being subjected to something that isn't necessarily human really it is weird like hey we're all sitting over here we're looking at you we have questions for you, a bunch of them, if you would answer, please. It is a bit awkward, but OG kind of like removes the artifice and just like talks to you. I mean, and having an interview about my work day every day would be so wild. Crazy. Yeah. It it would be a lot more tolerable with a, with a huge chunk of change, of course, but <laughs> but it's still like a super wild thing. So I don't have a moment for OG, but generally just his uh, candor. I really appreciated. I thought he was a really funny guy, and I and uh, I think he's a good like a good man, which is it's important to be a good man in I the agree. world. Yeah. Um, and and he's a hottie. That was something that happened too. I don't know if you guys, I knew this was the case because I pay attention online. I'm a lore keeper, you know. I I <laughs> I tuck things away. I'm like, okay, I'll remember that. I remember that, and I knew in my mind, always operating with the idea like. Women really like OG Ananobi. Mm-hmm. They huge fans. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets traded, obviously there's an outpouring mm-hmm. of like people being like, "What the hell?" You saw my? People... Did you see my tweet about him? No. What did you say? I said that uh, I'm finding myself more attracted to OG now that he's less available. <laughs> that's your trauma. Um... Yeah, but that's also a funny <laughs> tweet. Screw you. <laughs> I was trying to layer a joke on top. My bad. But anyway. You want so, straight to trauma. <laughs> but a lot of women expressed their, you know, they felt like a scorned lover to some degree or a sad lover. Wow. And a lot of people got introduced to that. They're like, wow, women really like Doji and Nobi. And as far as like, if we're doing a hottie highlight of the week, that's like big time. Yeah, well, did, but did you just discover it when he was traded, or you knew? Oh, I knew. There's breadcrumbs. Wow. Just tweets from women. Okay. That's the breadcrumbs. You just have to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> With all due respect, I'm not paying attention to tweets from women on that level. But... <laughs> <laughs> I have a list. Yeah, yeah. um but that's fine um okay when you you know are interviewing og or when you know when he was on the team was there ever a time that he gave you like a longer 
answer and you were like whole oh like like holy shit i got him yeah it happened i was asking about defense and literally as soon as it ended everyone was like wow and like it was like a like a sitcom everyone like patted me on the back they're like that was a long <laughs> answer like well done yeah <laughs> so like everyone was, looked at you like this guy's a journalist no i think they would never say that neither would i and they were just like that was like they were like that was a long og answer i don't think it went deeper okay but that's the key to his heart is asking him about defense yeah we're asking him about something like inaccessible and hoping that you hit on one of them wow if you give him a give him an opportunity to get off one of his bits you might get something mm-hmm. and it could be a short bit or a long bit but mm -hmm. you will take the opportunity for sure yeah i i think og knows that everyone's trying to crack him yep big time and i think he really revels in that yeah, that's that's my impression of him. Yep, he, he um, understands. He's aware. He gets it. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't lack self awareness. That's why he kept second guessing the the Instagram post because he's almost too self aware. That's right. If, if I were an athlete, I would not have social media. I would not bother. If I was wealthy, I would not have a so social media. If I was like, uh, yeah. If I like wrote for the Toronto Star, and like I don't understand why Doug Smith tweets. I just like <laughs> I just like I would not have Twitter man I wasn't on Twitter before I did like I was on Twitter for like to see other people's tweets but as far as like by tweeting before I was doing this job hell no man why nobody cares what you think not really like maybe, maybe people care people... about what you think stop insofar as like I don't know I've I've worked at trying to like say things for consumption online and you know there's like a format but like as far as prior to that like it's completely attached to my job yeah like if I say like I tweet about you know the other day I'm like the Matthew McConaughey scene in Wolf of Wall Street is like incredible it's electric like seeing this guy like whizzing and popping like a 50s radio soundboard as he's describing, you know, the way that Wall Street works. Perfectly describing like the scam of it all as he's not blinking. His <laughs> and he's doing like all that kind of stuff. I'm like, this guy is locked in. This is an incredible scene. It's not attached to work. But do people care about that? Not sure. really. Sure. Yeah. So only for work. Well, we, I... got, we got a, a Matthew McConaughey impression out of you. So that was pretty <laughs> yeah. awesome. But yeah, like I, I completely agree with you. If I was an athlete, if I had any success at anything remotely so that I didn't have to be online being like, hey, guys, please read. This is worth money. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, I wouldn't I don't think I'd have. So, so did you just like watch that. Wolf of Wall Street? I watched it a few days ago. Yeah. Like for the first time? No, not for the first. I watched it when it came out. Yeah I've, yeah. I've seen it three times in my life now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good movie. It is a good movie. Yeah. I'm also so, a Josh Giddy fan. <laughs> There's just a lot going on in that film. Uh, it is a good movie. <laughs> we should wrap it up there. I need a nap. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in this week. I apologize we didn't make it to the full hour. You know, I missed last week because of the holidays. I didn't want to miss two weeks in a row. Really pushed myself.
to get this going. So thank you, Samson, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for, for twinning with me unintentionally. Um, really appreciate that. Please remember to let us know who wore it best, Team Samson or Team Catherine. I suspect Samson will win, and that is fine. Um, Samson, what are, you, what are you working on this week? What can we look forward to? Um, I'm working on an Emmanuel Quickly piece, and uh, it's all about his jump shot. So I've been watching all of his pull-ups across his career to kind of get like a good sense of uh, what that looks like and the diverse range of jumpers he's able to make because he's very cool as a jump shooter. And it's very tough to be more diverse and like bombastic as a jump shooter as like Fred Van Fleet was from 2018 to 2021, but quickly might be there. He might be like the, the most outrageous jump shooter the Raptors have had in, in years and years. So um, a piece on that and then probably a video essay a few days after that, but then all the regular trappings of Samson folk coverage. So <laughs> aud audio drivel. Amazing. Thank you yeah. so much. Uh, thank you everyone for listening, for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye.